Welcome to the AI Assisted Organization podcast with Implement AI with myself, Piers Lenny, a host and my co-host and co-founder of Implement AI, Alok Shukla. Good morning, Alok. Good morning, Piers. How are you? I'm all right. I'm uh, in Ibiza today. I'm in my little thinker <laughs> out here with the family for uh, over about 10 days, actually. Well, then I'm flying back to do a keynote I haven't done before, so that'll be quite an interesting experience, and then coming back out again. So um, you haven't been to Ibiza, have you? It's a special place for me. No. No, no, I've never been. The, the, the party it's... side, which is very easy for me to kind of uh, get involved in, but um, this is more sort of chilling out with the kids and exploring. And there's a couple of restaurants on Formentera that I, love, I like to go to, go out there on a boat. So it's more for their experience to sort of chill out, really. Well, I'm trying to chill out, but here I am doing a podcast. <laughs> well, it's all good being able to do things from wherever you are. And, you know, it's a nice location to be in over summer. And we're planning a trip to Lisbon as well to come and see you. Exactly, that'll be cool. So hopefully in September we'll be doing this in Lisbon, perhaps we get the time. Yeah, do an in-person one for once, isn't it? Like, that'll be cool. Oh, that's a good idea. Right. Moving on, but let's get into the summary of the show. So we're talking about um, the sort of rise of AI role recruitment. There's lots of it on LinkedIn as well. The increasing amount of AI investment and big numbers. I mean, you look at the seed rounds now of you know, $100 million or even a billion dollars in one case, open AI is seeing more competition and also now started to acquire as well. We're going to take you through the Implement AI updates, our competition, and the number of events we're getting involved in over the next couple of months. So let's get into it. So artificial intelligence, um, there's some research from the University of Montana, basically. And they've been te- testing whether um, artificial intelligence can compete with human creatives. They had quite a small sample, but they're basically testing on different sort of, I'm not sure the exact scale of it, it's called the Torrens Tests of Creative Thinking. But they found that artificial intelligence can rival the creative abilities of the top 1% of human creative participants. And this is interesting to me because um, I, I was a trustee of Nesta, I've said this before, um, for six years. Nesta is the largest innovation foundation in the UK. It's national lottery money about 600 million pounds now, I think it is. And this is where my first entree into artificial intelligence and robotics was. Did a lot of research on how will artificial intelligence and robotics impact the economy and especially employment. And I won't go into detail of all the research we did, but one of the big outcomes I always talked about, and I talked about quite a lot in keynotes as well, was that if you're a creative, you're safe. Uh, and that was kind of my punchline. And that is not the case. <laughs> it turned out that... If you're a creative, we mentioned this last week, well, didn't we, Alok, where I was saying that, you know, in any kind of process often, be, you know, business, planning, creating something, you know, design, <laughs> a campaign, whatever it might be, you hit a blocker sometimes where you need some creative input if you can't do it yourself. And that's going away because now you can get, you know, 80% down the road in terms of that creative input by using artificial intelligence. And this is really interesting because you're now seeing things like Microsoft Design has been launched, going to have a look at its designer microsoft.com so they're going after canva and literally it's all prompt based you're going to have a have a play with that adobe firefly which you may or may not use in photoshop or um, premiere pro that's now available in adobe um, express which i use quite a lot in terms of editing pictures uh, in my phone so you're seeing now this technology evade everything and it's an interesting one isn't it if you're creative in terms of how that's going to impact what you do in the very very near future no for sure and I think the key thing is like when a human is trying to be creative, they're trying to like draw from different patterns, different experiences and different observations they've got to apply that insight in a new context, which is essentially creativity. But the thing with these large language models is they have infinitely more 
data points um, without any pre-anchored biases or anything. So it's literally able to give you a full range of different options for anything. And then when you combine that with, you know, logo generation, image generation. I mean, I was listening to a podcast the other day and the guy was saying, if you were starting again today, what would you do? And he was saying AI content agency, because like you would, you could you'd literally, you know, like deliver higher quality work with obviously human input, but at a scale that could not be done before. So uh, creativity in written text and visuals, you have to like be thinking about how can I work with this and how can I upskill as you always say, Piers, how can you move up the pyramid? Because the, the basics is been surpassed by these systems. I think that's really interesting what you said there is that, which I haven't really quite thought about, is the fact that, you know, when you're using AI, it's as if you're using a whole room full of creative, not just one, who has one particular way of doing things and Correct. all the sort of biases that are built into them. And the other part, I think it's, it's in the um, Adobe Firefly. No, yeah, actually, it can be in a hundred languages. So, you know, if you can speak another language, I can only really get, I can just about get by in German. But just through my little bit of German, it helps you understand the psyche of German. And that's something that you, you wouldn't have unless you happen to be German or understand the language. So you're absolutely right. It's not only that sort of creative layer, it's the ability to almost have a, a blank sheet of paper um, and access to literally like a whole, a whole firm, a whole agency of creative, essentially. You can even prompt the creative AI to, respond to you in different ways as if they had a particular persona couldn't you exactly that so different languages basically will slice reality in different ways that's where you get like interesting concepts like in german there's schadenfreude like you know feeling happy at someone else's misfortune or different things so and, and in like for example in inuit languages for eskimos there's different words for different types of snow depending on the thickness and, and the different elements but the point i'm trying to make here is in these different languages these different idea chunks are codified, and if you didn't know that language, you wouldn't be able to access that idea or that concept. But with with these large language models, they can internationalize and replicate in many different ways. So you could say, you know, I would like the creative input from this, from this perspective of a twenty year old living in Tokyo that, that is into, um, you know, like um, you know, bushido culture or whatever, like this, and, and then it will give you from that viewpoint. So you can one hundred percent go down your avatar, you know, and, and create more personalized information and, and much more resonant concepts, essentially, basically. That's really powerful. And uh, speaking of powerful, so it's moving on. One of the things we often talk about is that one of the key base superpowers that artificial intelligence and especially large language models give you is the ability to summarize. So the, the thing that prompted this was that Amazon have now launched um, the ability to summarize Amazon reviews. So yeah, rather than scroll down, you know, God knows how many, I don't tend to myself, but hundreds of Amazon reviews and try and find which ones. I, mean, I, I do it more in IMDb or looking for film, which I'm sure the yeah. over there. It's in, also owned by in, Amazon. Inspirational. Yeah, and I, I tend to look at the nines, the ones, and look a few in the middle. Whereas now you can basically use this, um, this bot or whatever they want to call it to summarize the reviews for you and, and give you that, that sort of the top of the sort of bell curve, really, in terms of allowing you to make a decision. We talk about it a lot, don't we, where... The ability to summarize data, you know, the human intelligence in many ways, think about school, what is it really about? It's about absorbing data and being able to extract and summarize the data that you need and the insights that you need when you need them. And that often is how we measure intelligence. That's what an exam is. Yeah. And the point you're making about Amazon summarizing reviews is going to start shifting things in a different way. Because think about this. Normally, companies will write their benefits and their features 
on, let's just say it's like a, I'm going to use the example of a plant-based milk maker. So we bought one of these machines. We can put like pistachios in, almonds in, whatever, and it makes um, fresh milk for us. And it's a very good machine, but it broke after about nine months and we bought a new one of the same one, right? But the point I'm trying to make is that imagine you were searching, I want a plant-based milk maker, which has no reported incidences of breaking down within 12 months and which also is shown as easy to clean and this and that. And imagine that like the LLM or the, the built-in system or from the rate data from the reviews, it actually shows you from what people said, not from what actually the company is saying, basically, right? It shifts the whole landscape. And you look at like brands like, um, I forget what they're called. I think it's like Mio or something like this. Like a, It's like a, a Chinese brand, but they provide like very quite high quality, but unbranded, a bit like Muji Electronics, like very low cost, but high spec. And I think more of those kind of companies where they're just delivering the value in a simple way without investing in brand and stuff at a more more comfortable price point will become more effective if they've got good reviews. So it's going to shift the understanding of brand and perception, because if you've got the actual feedback from people of how they found it, that adds a whole different dynamic before, because you can actually collate and organize, you know, opinion from around the world. Yeah, and we're going to touch on it later in, in this pod about the personal AI. So it won't be you going and reading the reviews and uh, setting the parameters in which you're willing to purchase something. It'll be your personal agent who understands you. So we'll, we'll touch upon that a bit later. And one of the other ones is we touched on this last week, but it's kind of evolved slightly. And also we'll talk about um, the New York Times lawsuit a bit later on in the pod. But um, you know, science are now scrambling to block chat GPT. So you saw this with uh, Facebook, you know, luckily for Mr. Zuckerberg was a war garden, but you've seen Twitter start to do this and they're kind of starting to, kind of, you know, turn down the amount of access you have in terms of sort of the rate of accessing data on various websites. But especially, we mentioned this last week, where OpenAI now have announced that maybe in GPT-5, whatever they call it, they've actually um, built a web crawler. So it's a bit like Google. It's going to go out to the internet, search it, um, bring back information, make it easy to search. So a lot of websites now are terrified this web crawler is going to go, if it hasn't already, quite frank, up to September 2021, which is when ChatGPT's um, training data was last came to an end. They're sort of panicking that people are going to access their information, their customer information, you know, because they see that as their as their IP in many ways, I suppose it is. And they're kind of now locking down. Now, this is going to eventually, I think, we talked about last week, is that it's a bit kink canoe, isn't it? But by sort of pushing back on it, you are going to, in many ways, then um, your customers, your, your, your website, whatever it is, they're not going to be included in a lot of these chatbot searches which might have a negative impact. I'm trying to picture what's going to happen, but it's probably the law of unintended consequences is going to kick in at some point. Yeah, there are second, third order consequences for everything. So if you, if you play this out, more people will use LLMs to gather information as they've got the plugins and everything like this. So the number of people using traditional search will drop. Or if they are using search, it'll be AI-powered search. That requires the ability to crawl the different sites and get all the information from it. The sites which restrict the information from there will be surpassed by the sites that provide more information there. Information alone cannot be a differentiator in, the, in this kind of new intelligence paradigm platform shift, basically, right? And it has to then be based on a differentiated experience, service, product, whatever it is like this. But the information alone cannot be the differentiator. And, and this is where you're going to start to see basically the field will tilt, you know, like the, the people that were not making their information accessible and then restrict it will then see their numbers potentially like start to contract and other places which figure out ways to monetize in different ways do it. I mean, I'm reminded of this, of like all of the Chinese e-commerce models, like, you know, like, for example, like Alibaba and like um, the one Taibo, for example, 
one of the biggest um, ones in China for like um, retail brands, they didn't make their money but from like basically the traditional way that other ones would. They they offered basically the listings for free and different things like this, but then they would charge for like, um, you know, premium listing or other things and other services, but they found other ways to monetize it, my point is. So in the same way, the creativity that they had to do in the Chinese ecosystem because it was so tight and so competitive within this kind of new information and paradigm and, and this whole way of basically accessing websites through a secondary intelligence, either a personal AI or an LLM, you're going to have to find different ways to monetize and different ways to engage people into your experience because, you know, locking down your website is not the solution here, basically. It's like even with Meta you know, and Facebook, that in some countries, Facebook is the internet. But even then, if you're going to lock down that data, essentially, you're, you know, you're, you know, let's face it, Meta, Facebook, Meta, they're very active in open source models, very active in AI. But at some point, your wall garden is going to become like, you know, the North Korea of the internet. So, you know, they're going to have to open it up somehow. So it's going to be interesting to see how that, um, how that plays out. So moving on, one of the, the things that's astounding I find about AI is that, and, and, and you know, some of the people that are running these companies and starting them are, you know, players from OpenAI or Google DeepMind. But the, this news was that South Korea's SK Telecom, I'm sure they've got their own stupid reasons for doing it, but they're looking at investing $100 million in the US-based Anthropic. So Anthropic, if you, if you don't know, they produce their Claude 1 and Claude 2, which is an LLM that Alok and I both use on quite regular occasions because it has a very, very large, you can put about 100,000 words um, into it in terms of context and background, so it's super powerful. So you're seeing that, you know, uh, I think it was Pi, which we'll touch upon later in terms of personal AIs. They raised a billion, like literally, it's like a, it's a I think it's a seed round, wasn't it? Seed round. Billion US. Yeah, cash yeah. and I guess probably hosting as well from you know, one of the hosting providers but it's just huge amounts of money is chasing this and that's why you're going to see uh, continued and eventually exponential growth because the amount of investment is going into it. Yeah all the companies are pointing their commercial models directly at this and they, they know that like the goal now is to get data so they have to provide the the, the best service to start sucking in the data that they can so they can then leverage it and then grow faster than other companies. So that's the game now, basically. And that leads into your next point, really, because like whoever gets all the data and whoever gets access to those people, they're the ones that are going to continue the flywheel. Basically. Yeah, and the next point, moving on to that one, is that is there was an article when, I think it's probably Q1 this year, 2023, where Google wrote saying that, you know, artificial intelligence, these chatbots, open AI, large language models, you know, we, we don't have a moat anymore to protect us against this competition. So this concept of, and it got me thinking again, because it came up in something I was reading in preparation for this podcast, was that there is no moats for these large tech companies, which is why, going back to the previous point, is they're throwing hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars at this issue because of the opportunities and also the existential risk as well. But it got me thinking, Alok, is that there's also no moat for the large tech players that have got that, there's also no moat for you in your local, regional business, no matter what you do, you just don't know where the competition is going to come from, especially with AI assisted. So the idea of any moat, any this concept of sustainable competitive advantage, unless you've got a huge capital, huge distribution, um, it, it's over. Yeah. Especially in the, in the knowledge economy is what I'm really referring to. Yeah, and, and we've seen this play out in like, let's say from the mobile shift from like 2010 to 2020, where entire industries almost became 
the front end free version for these massive companies like Microsoft and you know like um, and Google where they could just offer maps for free for example you had Tom Tom and Waze not they had Tom Tom before that was charging for all that access and they're like oh Waze and and Google Maps we're just going to offer that for free um, as part of our like system to get people into it so this whole reorganization of like what people were paying for before like you're talking about like Microsoft designer you know Canva has their model and then if they're, if they're looking to kind of like create different systems and different models in that way it, it totally will change so 100% that there's no moat and these open source versions that like Facebook are releasing are very strategic because it means more and more companies can do that but I see on a weekly basis a new product come out or the an open source version come out of a solution that was previously a SaaS product basically right you know so all, all these all these things are like changing and cannibalizing and, and being disrupted very, very quickly. Yeah, and um, it brings on to the next point, actually, we'll almost move on to it. So I think that, in fact, it, no matter what your business is, don't think you, the moat you thought you had may not be as deep as it was, or it's rapidly evaporating. The, the, so just, the ground is changing. Yeah, the ground, absolutely right. And one of the moats, which we come back to almost every week, don't we, because it's moving so quickly, is your ability to write code. So we mentioned last week that Google have um, launched, launched now a browser-based um, automated coding tool. Now you're seeing the Meta launch one as well. So it's a free code-generating software. It's on the Meta platform. It hasn't quite launched yet, but it, this is open source as well. So they're using the uh, their sort of Llama 2 large language model as a basis for this. And this is going after things like you know Microsoft GitHub, um, Amazon Bedrock, uh, Google's platform. So again, one of the moats was always that you had the ability or the money to get people to write code so you could actually implement the business idea or the service that was in your head. And that moat's going away as well, um, or that barrier, that's all the barriers to entry than the moat, to be honest with you. But that barrier to entry is now going away in quick time. So you're now going to see that all the big, so Meta, Amazon, Google, Microsoft have all got, they're all investing heavily in tools that write code for you. And again, what I always say is, you've got you, your business, you've got the outcome you want in the middle, you have to write a lot of code. Um, you have to use developers to do that. Probably still going to need an architect, but now you're going to be able to in interact with these models, platforms in natural language or whatever language you speak, and it's going to generate that code for you. That is a fundamental game changer, even if AI development stopped today. 100%. Did you ever see that image where it was like, a picture or like a video of like a, a guy's desk or someone's desk. Um, and then there was all these kind of like a calendar on the wall and different apps and a TV and all this kind of stuff. And then you suddenly see all those things move onto the desktop of a computer. Have you ever seen that video? No. It's like basically it's showing, okay, so basically it's showing that like TV, that, you know, the, the, the record player, the, you know, like the, the clock, the this, the that, the calendar, they all become apps on the, on, on the computer basically, right? And it basically makes the room empty. So the concept there is that all these elements are coming to the computer system. And the reason I bring this up is like, there's a double layer of abstraction that's happening here with coding. Before to have any program, you'd have to write a huge amount of code. And within that code, what you would have is you'd have different modules, which did different things, right? You've now got two things happening in parallel. Some of those modules, which would have been quite complex and lengthy to write, have become abstracted away into an AI, LLM, um, you know, endpoint system, something like this. So you don't even need the code for that anymore, for example. And then on top of that, you've now got the AI LLM systems that can also build all the joining code and the structure for everything. So you've got two levels of abstraction. The complex bits that needed the most intelligence to do are being already done by AI and LLMs. And then the, the kind of sequencing and the structuring of all the kind of boilerplate stuff as well, that's being done by AIs and LLMs. And I saw this point where this um, 
Daisy posted on on Twitter, um, and she basically said that like she saw, she said it's humbling to see concepts that in 2021 took a team of 50 people, one product manager, and six you know like six developers or 50 developers or something like this is now being done by two people within a few months and I've seen it because I've had it pitched to me myself basically and I and she goes I was the product manager that worked on the product two months two years ago basically so the the order and magnitude is I know we're at the kind of cutting edge of all this stuff but it's going to rapidly start having much much more consequences and it, you just think you have to really really pay attention to this I mean I mean you, you use these words don't you like democratize and empower but in this case, they are absolutely um, relevant and applicable. So you will be, you know, the, the ability to access code and not have a team of, you know, 10 people. And, you know, you, you, it's like a revolving door. One of them's or two of them always leaving because someone's offered them 10 to 50 grand more. They need to have on, on top of your list, you know, QA testing and, and keep going essentially. So it absolutely is going to democratize the access to technology and code. And like I always say, the, the concept of code goes away. It's more right. Yeah. I need something to do this, make it happen. And then it's put it out there, iterate it. The idea of an MVP, you can have, you know, 10 MVPs targeting different avatars all running at the same time. So it's super powerful, really. I mean, the, the, the video I have seen is where all these things like your, your I'm, I'm sure my age now, your Walkman, your alarm clock all sort of get sucked into your phone. It's the same thing. That's the same one, exactly. I mean, to give you another idea, like I'm running an AI summer school at the moment, so I've got like kids from like, you know, 12 years old and, you know, like 13 years old. And it just this week before, actually just this week, we were teaching um, AI coding and automation. And I showed them a system where they can create a banana ripeness detector. You just hold the banana up and it will detail you whether it's ripe or not, basically. And that's by using like um, a system which Google open sourced, which allows you to create machine learning models to compare different things, identify sounds, identify anything like that without any code. And I mean, can you imagine that? Be able to detect and classify bananas based on the ripeness and stuff like this. Be able to do that in 15 minutes. Like, that's insane. Right. My daughter's doing it. I might get her to build a, a webcam in a room that tells you when a bedroom needs tidying. You can do that. You can, yeah. <laughs> you can probably do it. Yeah, exactly. In terms of like, like the disruption of the picture compared it, it, to the, the kind of cuts off, image of it, it cuts off the Wi-Fi, basically. You build one. The minute the, the room starts to look more chaotic, the Wi-Fi's cut off, basically. Like, the password changes. Yeah, brilliant. So there's a, an API for that. Right, let's talk about um, implementing AI. So... So we're doing the Manchester event, 18th of October. If you looked on our social media, you can find the link to the event Bright Sign Up. It's free. We're doing that with the Manchester Growth Hub and also Tech North Associates. So we're looking forward to that. We've got about room for about, yeah. about 120. Great venue in Manchester. If you know Manchester, it's off uh, uh, Princess Street, so it's quite central. So we're looking forward to that. And then also... I think you're doing one in Dublin on the 29th, Alec, aren't you? Yeah, that's right. Dublin, 29th of September. We'll be announcing some more details for that. So that's for businesses that want to become AI-assisted in Ireland. And they'll be able to um, do, do those ones. I'm also going to be doing one in London in, in September around the 13th as well. So we'll have some details on that as well. And then uh, we, we might be we'll sort of partner with Elite Business. If you've seen the Elite Business website, go to the technology section. A lot of our sort of um, articles are there as well. And we're thinking of going to the business show down at the XL, like the 22nd. 23rd of November. So let us know if you are going to be heading down there and, and uh, whether you think we should um, attend and um, maybe manner stand with the lead business team as well to allow us to sort of meet, meet you, talk to you, um, talk about artificial intelligence and hopefully get you to sign up to our AI Insider newsletter and read our white papers. And then we're also, we haven't quite got the details yet, but I think we're going to do this with um, lead business as well, a competition. So this is like about 
a £7,500 package for someone to have an AI consultation with myself and Alot. And the idea is to you know, talk about your, your business, where it is, uh, a bit of horizon scanning, uh, where's the world going, how's it going to impact your business, how's it going to impact you, can you become AI-assisted on that kind of you know, zero to fully AI-assisted um, over time, and what do you do first? So that kind of conversation. So we'll look out for that one as well. And I'm also going to probably today put an article out about fear, uncertainty, and doubt. So in all these kind of innovation curves, there's a period of time where the old technology, those invested in it, are you know, throwing mud or fud, fear, uncertainty, and doubt, at the new technology. But the difference is usually electricity, cars, mobile phones, air travel, you name it. But in this world, uh, fear, uncertainty, and doubt is not going to be your friend because those that embrace it and um, sort of take it on board and you know, basically empower their lives and their businesses using artificial intelligence, they'll be unassailable. You won't be able to catch up. It won't be where 10 years later you think, okay, let's do it and you catch up. That won't be the case of artificial intelligence. So look out for that. And on that note, moving on. So FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. That's quite interesting to read that the New York Times is, is thinking, I'm not sure why they're thinking, either do it or don't, uh, bringing a lawsuit to OpenAI and ChatGPT for basically trawling their websites and breaching their copyright by absorbing their articles and information into the large language model. Now, I'm a lawyer, and in some cases, law, when you get to the, the higher courts of appeal, in the interest of um, you know, society, the economy, sometimes they don't allow these things, sort of, sort of um, these kind of cases to be to win, people like the New York Times. But this is a great example of FUD and you know, of the King Canute, really, trying to back on this technology as it potentially washes over you. And it's just pointless, especially this technology, which you can already see, we talked about it earlier, the amount of money being thrown at it because of its power, is that it is going to wash over you unless you learn to swim. For our younger listeners, who's King Canute, Piers? Oh, God, you know, you're going to... There's a story, there's a story <laughs> of the king, right? And he, he was an old English king, and he sat on the beach. He's meant to be all-powerful. And plenty of people mix the story up. He's sitting on the beach, and he's commanding the, the tide not to come in. And, of course, it comes in and washes them away. I think, actually, the reality, if you know your history, is the other way around. He was commanding it to go out or something. But anyway, the, 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 the common story <laughs> is the tide's going to come in whether you like it or not. <laughs> Correct. You have no control over that. No. Um, so the New York Times pushing back on this, I think, is, um, you know, you're going to see a lot of this. But I don't think they're going to be successful in the long run. Um, and You can't sue your way to victory. No, at the end of the day, it's about money, isn't it? These tech companies have got enough money just to pay these people off and keep them quiet. Better off embracing it. And, and I mean this in terms of your, your personal life, your business, everything is embrace it, don't fight it. Read my article when I put it out. Uh, now, a really interesting one, yeah. because obviously we were talking about fractional chief AI officers, you know, um, swapping out over time your payroll for AI agents. But LinkedIn is saying that chat GPT related, AI related job postings have ballooned 21 times since November. And again, if you go look at our AI city organization white paper, you can download our website, you have this sort of this kind of exponential curve. And if you pick a point on it, humans, going back to our, the way we're built in a linear world, we draw a, a line, a straight line. What you're going to find is that these job postings, that 21 times we draw a straight line, is the wrong number. It's the wrong trajectory. You're going to find it's going to become exponential because everybody is going to start to have somebody in their organization that has some knowledge or even the most basic 
artificial intelligence. If you don't, then obviously come to Implement AI and pick one of our pick one of our training courses and we'll do it for you. But they're saying now that these are English language job posts mentioning chat GPT or GPT, a chief AI officer, AI data scientist, or head of AI. So I mean, it's, it's not surprising, is it, Alok? But um, it's it's great now to see the data sort of coming through. 100%. I mean, there's just, just such a need for an AI-related role because the thing is, like, even if your company doesn't want to embrace it, another company that does will then force your company to then have to like match what they're offering. And that becomes like the red queen effect, basically, right? Like where you have to move faster and faster to stay still. So rather than be reactive, it's better to be proactive and go on the offense, essentially. I mean, like if you check out the Implement AI website, we've got a whole section on training. And we've got different courses which are available so you can kind of get access to those. Um, but it's very, very important now to start thinking about what you want to put in place, get the information, get the skills, get the strategy and go for it, basically, because this is not the genie's out of the bottle. It ain't going back. Yeah, and the people that are recruiting people with this now, I mean, you've seen Jobs, I can't remember where it was now. It was one of the big tech companies, maybe it was Google or Meta. It was 900, Amazon, I think, 900,000 pounds. Net, Netflix. Uh, Netflix, was Net, it? I'll Netflix. get there in the end if I keep going through tech companies. 900,000 pounds <laughs> is a salary for someone to understand something about. Yeah. So, you know, th- this talent is going to become very expensive as well. So, you know, one, if you're thinking of, a, if you're starting out your career, these are skills to um, develop, which is what Alok's uh, summer school has sure. been doing for our, our kids and others. But if you don't have somebody in your business understand artificial intelligence, even the basics of it, then you're already at a disadvantage. So this is what our fractional chief officer is kind of about, to allow you to kind of do that in an affordable way. And also, a bit like we were talking earlier about the creatives, you're not getting one person, you're getting implement AI. You know, we're not a huge company yet, but there's, you know, there's several of us. And you get all of our shared experts as well not just one person that's got this sort of narrow um, experience. Exactly. So that's really interesting. And moving on, so something I find fascinating, we touched upon earlier, is uh, personal AI. So now Google is now looking to be testing out a new life coach. So this is you know, something that's going to help provide helpful advice to people. Pi, that we mentioned earlier, they raised a billion dollars. So Pi is a, it's a smartphone app I, I play with on a regular basis. I said to Alok earlier, it still feels like you're having a conversation with a very bright, you know, very early teens, a teenager, maybe or maybe even 10 or 12, and they kind of run out of things to say because of their kind of experience. But eventually, uh, and they won't talk about things you know, like politics or wars, but eventually um, these things are going to become more refined, they're going to be better trained, uh, and they're going to have more and more interesting conversations, especially when they start spending that billion dollars. So Google are getting into this game as well. And these personal AIs are going to be the, the tool with which we, humans, engage with corporate AI. That's my view. That's where it's going. It's, you know, it's your Iron Man Jarvis. You know, it's going to go off and I always use the example of buying your barbecue. So very interesting to see that um, this is coming out of Google um, DeepMind and they actually put a team together. So they're pretty serious about making this a reality. Yeah, they have to. They have to go on the offense. They, like before they were reactive and, and it's just going to become like, I haven't seen that film, but everything everywhere all at once. I need to watch that. But like, uh, but it's just that concept just springs to mind, basically, that like every single thing is like just being changed. It's more like the film Her. Have you ever seen Her? It's, it's uh, yeah. Joachim sort of Phoenix. Go and, go and watch it. That's fantastic. And he kind of falls in love with Alexa. Whereas Alexa, you know, it kind of leaves the bounds of human, you know, uh, physical infrastructure. <laughs> so that's a great example of, where this can go and he gets upset because 
his uh, AI is in love with 600 people. Don't spoil it. But she, but she, loves, <laughs> but she loves me all the same way. Yeah, I thought we have ruined the film now, haven't I? Um, but, but, but go and, go and watch things like that. And Because all of these films, you know, they can be, some of them can be kind of dystopian, but quite a few of them. There's a really interesting film, and it's quite an old one. It's called Bicentennial Man with Robin Williams. And it's quite an old film now. It's probably like in the late 90s even. And this is about a, a, a robot, a humanoid android, basically, that lives for 200 years. And he, he eventually be able to oh, give a game away now. But eventually, he becomes more human, shall we say. And that's another great film to go and watch in terms of where robotics is probably going to go. So these, all these films have sort of cracked this stuff and really captured it a um, long time before we were able to have conversations like this. So another one um, that you can use, oh, moving on, the one you can use these large language models for if you do manage or have a community, is moderation. So having been involved in a number of communities before, moderation can be a major pain. So, you know, you have your policies, you want to update them now and then, the things you want to capture, you want to move quickly, you want to interact with your community and make sure they feel as though, you know, they are feel, they feel part of something, they are a community, and there's someone talking to them. And But often, humans, you need, you need a range of humans because these things are 24-7, can be very expensive. Now, what OpenAI has put out a paper about using ChatGPT or GPT-4, the API, not ChatGPT, uh, the API to do content moderation. What this means is very quickly you can update policies, you can find issues, you can deal with them, you can communicate, you can provide feedback, you can look over the whole kind of community almost as a data essentially and uh, extract insights. So that's a real powerful tool if you're running a community, not particularly good if you're a community moderator. It's just so powerful. It's all moving towards that EXO that we talked about where you've actually got a team of three people and then you've got agents doing everything else. And then lastly, a bit of news that I found interesting was that OpenAI, you've now seen these large uh, companies acquire the, you know, the up-and-coming companies. So OpenAI has acquired things called Global Illumination. And this is more of an acqui-hire. So they've almost paid something to hire a team. And this team was specialised in uh, developing AI agents. Uh, now, we talk about AI agents a lot in implement AI because we're developing them for our clients. Um, these agents are slightly different. They're autonomous agents that could go into a game um, and they can go into a sort of a virtual world, basically, and act as if there's a human controlling them. So that's really interesting. But eventually, these auto-GPTs, agents, whatever you want to call them, you will give them an objective in the real world to go out and find that solution for you. So whether they're looking for just a bunch of bright developers or they want to use, you know, some sort of agents for Minecraft, a doubt, or they want to use that skill set to create auto GPTs or agents for the real world. No one really knows, but it's very interesting that the quality minds, isn't it? 100%. I mean, did you see that um, there was a, a team that released a paper where they made AI, they trained the AI on episodes of South Park. They gave it all the characters, all the storylines, all the history, everything. And then and then the AI system created a map, literally, of the, the whole area of South Park, like literally like a kind of map. And then what they then did was then they you could then write a prompt for what you wanted to happen in the story. And it would generate an entire episode with the voices, with the characters, with everything. And the characters are moving around the entire world. So you might have just this part in the screen, let's say the middle of the town. And there's still other people walking around the other bits, but then they come into the different areas when it's going on. So this almost sort of simulated multiplayer, multi-dimensional reality and AI agent, um, you know, engagement. This is where you know it's it's going to go basically, you know, and it's it's going to be super interesting. Yeah, I and mean, today we're talking about talking about quite a few films. So Ready Player One, I haven't seen that one. I think it's Spielberg yeah, that one Spielberg. as well. So 
And it's a bit like a Minecraft or, you know, what the metaverse or meta is trying to do with the metaverse. But in many ways, they're trying to create a world for you in which you then have to go and live or interact with other people. And what we're talking about here is, is quite different is that your universe, your virtual world is something that you create and you prompt as you move through it. So yeah. that's quite interesting is that the idea of a, a, a metaverse that's provided for you, you know, the four corners of the box. What would be far more interesting is that your universe evolves with you and the characters you meet and, and how you feel on and what you want to see and experience. Yeah, yeah, friend. As you move through it, that's much more interesting to me. And your AI friends. Right. AI of the week. Now, if you've been looking at our social media, you can probably guess this one. Um, there's, there's, hello, I'll let you go through this, but there's a number of them, isn't there? It's more of the capability, isn't it? hundred percent. I mean, you know, like if you're trying to reach people, why are you speaking only in English, right? Like, you know, the majority of the world does not speak English. You know, there's so many different languages. And it's so interesting. These AI translation systems for video with the audio are really good now. Like I've seen examples where I can see Lex Friedman or Mark Zuckerberg speaking fluent Hindi and the um, voice and it has been being cloned as their voice and then space speaking Hindi, for example. And then they've also like done the, the, the wave sync for the lips and everything like that. So I was using one this week, um, uh, Rask AI, and that's really good. And basically in French and in Portuguese, I had my voice and your voice as well, Piers, basically translated and going from there. It's it's really funny. So because I live in Portugal. So you, your your wife's French, yeah. isn't she? So what was her view of the French? She thought it was hilarious, but it was it was right. You know, it was all correct. And like for example, I said in in our AI assisted organization uh, blueprint white paper, when I said in French, it says dans le IR because AI is IR in French, and then white paper is livre blanche. And I said, is, what's white paper? And she said, I don't know that concept. So we explained it. And she said, she looked it up online. It was Livre Blanche. Like, it's quite a technical, that's not like a normal run of the language kind of thing, you know, to basically say that. So that, that was yeah. hilarious. And you know what actually happened as well? From me listening to the Portuguese, it was actually Brazilian Portuguese, that they translated into. I was trying to book my car wash yesterday. And that when I phoned up the place, they were like, oh, sorry, I don't speak English. So I was like, follow, no, follow English. And like, no, sorry, don't speak English. Then I said, ah. Capacidade, Jorge. So it's basically the worst possible, like the, the roughest way. I said capacity today, like in a Brazilian, like if it's on Portuguese, and they were like, ah, see, sí, cinco. So it's hilarious. Like even using things without learning the language can help you learn the language, basically, right? Like uh, it's going back to the. I mean, Mr. Beast does this in like twenty six language, whatever the hell he does. Going back to the personal AIs. So this concept of personal AI understands you, know, you. They're also going to understand how you communicate. Yeah, your tone of voice, like. If you're, if you're prompting, yeah. you know, chat GPT, whatever you use, Claude, to generate content, you've got to tell it how you write content. Otherwise, it'll sound like someone else has written it. So it'll know everything about you. So now you're going to be able to speak to people in almost, well, not almost, in any language very soon. And in the yeah. way in which you would speak, actually, in your kind of tone of voice, which I think is going to be, really yeah. kind of, that's going to bring the world together. But also, we'll talk about business here. It's going to open your market. It's going to make the world bigger for your business, depending on what you do, obviously. but it's going to make the world a smaller place. If your website is only in English, but your product can be consumed in any language, why is it only in English, right? You could have just sit straight away, have it multilingual, have your videos multilingual. I mean, that by itself increases your search radius to be found. You know, it's it's a no-brainer nowadays. And, and the, also, the, the quality is very good. So there's, there's, three layer, there's three layers, isn't there? Yeah, there's three layers. One is the, the translation, and then one is the two main one, and then one is the, the, the lip sync, essentially. Um, which the, what the AI does is it changes 
uh, in, graphically the sounds. shape of your lips to match the language you're speaking and, and the words you're um, enunciating. So that's bonkers. Um, so we were looking, so I, I think this is going to be available in YouTube, the developing it. And you were using, was it Rask or AI? Exactly. Yeah, so that's R-A-S-K. Go and have a look at that if you want to have a play. That's it for today. I'm going to go and, I don't know, the tour of Ibiza now and hang out by the pool with the kids. Um, so sign up for AI inside a newsletter if you haven't already. That's a weekly newsletter. Summarizes some of the news of what we're doing and some new insights every week. Teach something exactly. about how to implement AI in your business. Yeah, new insights every week, hence the name. And then we're going to have access to our white papers. So we've commonly got the AI assisted organizations, a blueprint for business. We've got the fractional chief AI officer, there's two of those on the website. Go to implementai.io forward slash SME or forward slash enterprise. You'll, you'll see those there. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can also see this on the YouTube. We haven't done a demo today so you don't really have to go to youtube today but please do follow us on youtube rate the podcast and please do share if you think it's interested and let us know yeah apple podcast reviews please yeah apple exactly. podcast reviews and let us know if you enjoyed it please happy to in the comments we'll always respond either on the um whatever you're listening to it on or on linkedin or um, instagram as well so thanks for listening or watching um we'll see you again same time next week that's it for today from the AI Assisted Organization podcast. And we'll, we will see you next week. See you next week, Piers.